Each season, guys telling stories seeks out fascinating people with a good story to tell. I'm Rich Douglas, and this man beside me is my co-host, Bill Easton. We're a couple of guys who love a good story. And our quest today takes us to Canada. This is Guys Telling Stories. All right, here we go. I'm excited about our guest today, Manjeet Minhaus. She's um, an entrepreneur. A, uh, a mother. Mm-hmm. She is on the TV show Dragon's Den. And in every country besides America, that's what the show is called. And in America, it's called Shark Tank. I'm going to ask her why. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And she, along with her brother, is owners of one of the largest breweries in the world. Hmm. I know. I can't wait to talk to her. We talk to a lot of people that like beer. Well, that's because we like beer. Ah, makes sense. Makes sense. Let's get to try at home. Our Guys Telling Stories website is powered by Banzoogle. Banzoogle. With Banzoogle, you can easily create a stunning website because they have everything you need, including the templates. So you just go and you select whichever one, whatever colors, whatever ones fit whatever business you're doing. It's great. It also has a zero commission online store. So if you want to sell your merchandise, they don't keep any of it. It all goes to you. And they also have forums too. So if you wanted to kind of get your fans and listeners or guests interacting with people you can do that too well give it a shot right now you can get your new website for free for the first 60 days all you gotta do go to guystellingstories.com click the try at home that's our website guystellingstories.com and click try at home and free website 60 days give it a shot and Zoogle. Oh, I love it. I love it. But you know what I hate, Bill? Mm, what do you hate, Rich? I hate it when you can't find your stuff. Oh. Keys, wallet, cell phone. Well, our friends at Tile have the solution. Tile is a tiny little square that attaches to anything you don't want to lose. This Bluetooth tracker rings really loud if you misplace something, and the easy-to-use Tile app tracks where you had it last. So if you left something somewhere, the app will tell you where to look. That's pretty cool. I know. I got a feeling you're going to buy like five of them. Uh, and this is new for Bill and our listeners. Get up to 35% off your tile purchase by going to guystellingstories.com and clicking on Try at Home. So we got two good things there. Oh, two good things. It's guystellingstories.com. Click on Try at Home to get 35% off your tile purchase. So we're going to Canada. We're going to Calgary, Alberta. Canada. All the way on the other side of the uh, coast for us, and uh, we're talking to an amazing guest. You guys are going to love her. This is uh, really exciting, Bill. I'm excited. Yeah. You know, she has stories from being one of the most successful breweries in the past decade, and her, along with her brother, basically started from nothing, and are these entrepreneurs, and herself, you can see her on TV every single week. Yep. She's a venture capitalist, and I, I just can't wait to hear, you know, how she went from growing up in Canada to being on TV every single day. That's awesome. All right. So let's give Manjeet a call. All right, Manjeet, welcome to Guys Telling Stories. Thank you. Awesome. We're pretty excited to uh, talk to you today. You know, Bill and I here, we are recording from Buffalo, New York. Uh, Where are you right now? I am in Calgary today. Ah. Oh yeah, what's, Alberta. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Bill, have you ever been? <laughs> I yeah. On the uh, we did a road rally and it went through uh, to Jasper. It ended in Jasper, Alberta, which is not too far from right, Calgary. That's just up the road from us. Yeah, yep. you're right. Well, there you go. In the Rockies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the oh yeah. To the Rocky Mountains. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, Manjeet, people are going to know you from being on Dragon's Den and from being known as the Beer Baroness. But, you know, what's going on in your world right now? Can you tell us a little story about, uh, you know, something that happened this morning or something funny that happened yesterday? Yeah, I actually just got back from Toronto yesterday um, filming um, season 12 of Dragon's Den and my third season. I've been on the show. Um, So I've been uh, in Toronto for the last month. It's it's where we shoot the show. So, yeah, it's been... um, uh, a fun and exciting, but uh, intense month, and and now I'm kind of uh, trying to get back into the swing of my real world, which isn't show business. <laughs> yes. Why is it Dragons done everywhere else, and in America it's Shark Tank? Um, well, they have the right to call it whatever they like, and well, I guess the Americans just wanted to be different. I guess so. <laughs> exactly. Typical Americans. <laughs> the, the format is bought and. Uh, uh, from Sony by all of the networks that uh, air the different versions from the UK to Japan to um, Canada, the United States, and many, many other countries. So um, the format is the same. It's just the name is different, and the dragons or sharks are different. So. Right. Yeah. Now, you said, you know, you just got back and you're getting back into real life, but if you kind of reflect back on the past week or so, what is the recording like kind of compared to what people see on TV? Well, uh, yeah, it's um, it, it's fairly intense for us and quite focused, which is nice. Um, but we see 200 pitches in a matter of uh, just under four weeks, and we see about 11 to 13 per day, each from 45 to 60 minutes, because we know nothing about them before they enter the den. Um, and it, it's the same in, in in Shark Tank, and um, and so yeah, it's um, it is a steep learning curve when they walk in tennis the product, understand the industry, understand what they're going for, um, and and do a lot of math while we're sitting there. That's what we're writing away like crazy, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and and then to make a decision. So, um, yeah, it is twelve hours of filming um, a day. It's uh, ten hours of filming actually, and then and then like two hours of hair and makeup and eating and you know five minute break. So it's um, when they got us, they, they, they really do work us, but it, it's great. And it's nice that um, we're able to do it in such a short amount of time. And then they edit it in the summer and it goes to air in the fall. Oh, that's great. That's I uh, can't wait to dig a little bit deeper into that. But before we get too far into the interview, can you just tell people where they can, you know, learn a little bit more about you online, maybe your social media or your website? Yeah, my Twitter handle is uh, Manjeet Minhas, all one word. Um, Instagram is Minhas, And my website is um, www.minhas, M-I-N-H-A-S, brewery.com. And, uh, and it'll connect you to our distillery and winery pages, too. Um, we have uh, breweries in the United States uh, and in Canada, in Wisconsin, and um, in Western Canada. You know, we always like to start with talking about family. And I know your parents got started a little bit later in life in the liquor industry up in up in Canada. But if you could yeah. kind of talk a little bit about growing up, you know, what type of family raised someone who, along with her brother, is one of the number one breweries around and, you know, is on TV? So I'm uh, born and raised in Calgary, Alberta. My parents came, my dad came from India when he was 21. My mom is from Vancouver Island in British Columbia, and they got married in 1976. 
and I was born four years later. And uh, my dad had an engineering degree from India. It was not recognized though when he came to Canada, and so he had to redo it. And therefore, he ended up moving to Calgary because they're the ones. The University of Calgary gave him the most amount of credit for what he had already done. And so then my dad uh, did an engineering degree and uh, started working in the oil patch, Calgary and Alberta. Um, in that case, is, uh, is oil country for sure. So um, he worked there very successfully and did well um, for 15 years. And then there was a downturn in the oil patch, as there is now, in the early 90s, and he got laid off. And um, uh, about six weeks after he got laid off, he um, was told um, by some of his friends that the government was going to deregulate the alcohol, the sale of alcohol in our province. So up until that point, and actually every other province in this country, in in this country is the same, is um, the alcohol is sold at government run liquor stores. So no private citizens um, and grocery chains, et cetera, own um, them. And so it, our premier um, at the time decided that he was going to be revolutionary, and he changed that. And so um, citizens then could open up stores, grocery chains, anybody, and the government was going to be out of the selling and retailing of booze. And so um, he quickly opened up uh, three liquor stores, and they became the top three stores in uh, Alberta um, for retail and for wholesale, meaning to bars and restaurants. And so um, I was very young. I was uh, 13 at the time when he opened them. And my brother and I, well, just as in any other family business, that's what it really was to us. So yeah. weekends, evenings, Christmases, summer holidays, whenever we weren't in school, we were working at my parents' stores. And we, were fr- we were free labor. <laughs> and, um, and so, um, you know, when um, I graduated high school and was in university, I also did engineering. After my first year, I decided to take the summer off and not take courses. I couldn't find a job though, um, because well, I discovered afterwards nobody wants no no oil and gas firm wants to hire a first year engineering student because you really know nothing yet. So I ended up going to my parents' store again. And during that time I was taking orders for restaurants and bars and okay. I discovered that there was a market for the taking, which was a private label spirits brand for their liquor stores, high quality but low everyday price. Because everybody who would call would be like, what is the cheapest vodka or the cheapest rum in the store today? I'll take that. So there was no consistency of quality or brand loyalty. So that was a good thing for me in the fact that um, if they weren't buying for the brand, I could, you know, make some inroads. And so I talked to my parents about it, and they said, great. But my dad said, listen, you need to come to me with a business plan just as every other sales rep does. Um, And I said, okay. And so I started the process of coming up with a business plan and starting a business. (laughs) Perfect. my brother and I, we decided on a line of spirits, rum, rye, vodka, gin, tequila, and Irish cream, the top-selling products. And we really hit it out of the ballpark with our tequila our Alamo tequila and our Blarney's and St. Patrick's Irish cream. Um, it was a great price, but it was a great tasting product. And um, very quickly, we got interest from other liquor stores that were not owned by my parents but wanted to carry the brand. And so then that's when we had a decision to make to expand into the general marketplace or be a private label company. And, well, we took the leap and um, 
we were young and naive and <laughs> thought that we could do it all. And it was hard because we were both still in school, both in university. He also did engineering, but we did it. Um, and, um, and then we never really looked back. And we grew into beer, um, which is what we're famous for now, yeah. um, and and been very successful in, and do a lot of our own brands, uh, but also a lot of private label. Well, let me ask you, you know, Dad, coming from the oil patch, kind of held you to a higher standard, I'm guessing, in the sense like he asked you for a business plan, but did he have any business, you know, education or experience? He, he, had, uh, he had taken one year of an MBA, but no, he didn't. But he worked for one of the largest oil companies in in Calgary, and um, he felt that, um, you know, I asked him later, of course, well, you know, that was a lot of work you put me through, because <laughs> I knew I had never taken a business course. I had no, I knew nothing. And he said, well, I figured if it didn't work, at least you would have learned something out of the experience. That's and true. I said, oh, okay, I get that. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, and you yeah. probably... Or googling how to how to write a business write plan, a business plan. <laughs> you know, with no courses. Uh, well, yeah, actually, funny enough, we didn't have internet at home in uh, back then, um, so I would go to the library and get books and and uh, sit there and print it out, and then absolutely, and then come back and um, kind of try to replicate it. Isn't so, that funny? Yeah, you know, I always joke with kids; they have it so much easier than I did when I started, for sure, oh. twenty years ago. Um, they, everything's at your fingertips now as far as how to and where to. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it, it absolutely was, um, something that, that, uh, taught me, um, is the basis of my whole life, which is working hard and not taking anything for granted and not leaving one stone unturned. Um, and it was, um, and I saw my parents do that, you know, come to this country. My dad came with $4 in his pocket and made a fabulous life for not only himself, but, um, himself, but his family. And so my brother and I, there's only, we're only two siblings. Things, but um, he had no family to rely on and and um, no um, friends even. He knew nobody when he was here. So it was um, it, it's one of the things I really do consider myself blessed to have grown up in such a fabulous country where opportunity as is at your fingertips. Um, it's just a matter of uh, taking hold of it. That's amazing. Um, Rich, remember, remember going up to Canada? We're, we're very close to the border here, by the way, in Buffalo. Uh, right, yeah, you are. You remember going up to Canada and going to the beer store? Yeah. And you'd walk in and they'd, yes. have, they'd have bottles up on the wall and you could order whatever <laughs> the bottles were and then you would sit there and wait. And then it's, all of a sudden... It's so preposterous in Ontario, yes. Yeah. Ontario and is all of a sudden, about a case, 10 decades behind. Yeah, um, a case would the, fly the rest out the of window. the world. Yeah, and, and you would cheer when it was because we'd always load. You can only bring a case over the border per person, so, was, yeah. so we'd throw like five people in the car. Let's go get some beer. And then when your right. beer came through the window, it came on these rollers and came through this like luggage compartment, and you would just yeah. and big let out a big cheer. And at the great. time, this is you know going years back, it was so expensive. Oh yeah, it was like thirty dollars a case. And I'm like, what? It's going right. on? And I, was, and I was 18, 19 years <laughs> well, old. The, the alcohol taxes in this country are, are really big. And, and so, you know, when after we started finding some success, we started expanding to other provinces in, in Western Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were producing all of our product in the United States because um, nobody in Canada would uh, co-pack, never mind our spirits, but even our beer for us. There's only At that time, there was only two big breweries in Canada, Molson's and Labatt's, and they wouldn't talk to us. So... Um, 
Yeah, so everything was coming up, and thanks to NAFTA, we were able to ship it via rail over the border and bring it to Canada, and then um, subsequently, you know, BC, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. But then we started seeing um, opportunities in the United States, um, and that's really where our market has grown over the last 10 years. Um, we are the ninth largest brewery in the world, and a lot of our a lot of our um, volume is done in the United States. Because, like I said, we do our own brands like Boxer and and um, and Minhas, but we do a lot of private labels, such as we do all of Kirkland uh, Costco's Kirkland beer. Um, around the world, wow. we do Trader Joe's. All of we do Trader Joe's, all of their craft beers and all of their session beers, um, and we do also um, all of their um, rum, and um, and so we do a lot for other chains too. Walgreens, they, you know, all the a, a lot of big other grocery chains too. So when people always say to me, "I've never heard of you," and I'm like, "Well, you know what? The funny part is, you, I, I guarantee, if you drink beer, you've had my beer. You just don't know you had it. <laughs> We've had the Trader Joe's. That's the thing is we have one Trader Joe's in town and Bill has brought me okay. a couple of those. I don't know. I want to say one had like peanut butter in it or something. Do you remember that? Chocolate, there was a chocolate yeah. stout that came out around Christmas. And people go yes. crazy for Trader Joe's around mm-hmm. here. It's just they, they, they think, right. you know, they love it. And it's so cool to hear that you're actually making it for not just Trader Joe's, Walgreens and, you know, all these other companies. So that's, that's incredible. Right. And it's really great for us because it helps us with our economies of scale um, and and our overall volume, which was, which makes us buy better um, and build our own brand in the end of the day. So it's um, it's been it's it's absolutely a, um, been um, a great opportunity for us to, to discover the new segment of the business. Well, a few short years after you guys get started, you're finding that you can kind of make these these gains and make these advances. So can you tell us uh, that story about finally making the purchase of the brewery in Wisconsin? Because that had to be huge for you guys. Yes, it really was. So we were at the point where um, we were 95% of the production out of the Joseph Huber Brewery in Wisconsin. And the owners um, did not want to sell. Um, it wasn't a prime business, though. And so we then, uh, we really wanted to, brew, um, to own the brewery because we wanted to do some other products and there were some other investments we wanted to make and efficiencies and capital. And, and, but we didn't want to do it, you know, with them owning it. And then, therefore, well, in the end of the day, the best negotiation tactic, I, I guess, is to pin somebody against the corner. And so um, we did, and uh, they, they were very gracious, and they decided to sell. And and, um, and so, yeah, it was a, a big moment for us in 2006, uh, 10 years ago, when my brother and I were able to buy um, that brewery out um, with cash and rename it the Minhouse Brewery. And then um, really, our uh, we like to say our empire started from there. Because then we started our own distilleries um, and our own wineries um, subsequently two years ago, too, in Sonoma and in Chile. And so it, um, it absolutely did teach us a lot about the manufacturing business now that we were in control of it and give us the flexibility to do um, others' products, you know, and even other breweries, such as, uh, for example, in New Orleans, when Katrina hit, Dixie Brewing Company, which was very big in that area, um, was flooded and um, essentially out of business. However, they still had such demand and all their copper wire and lots of things were, were gutted and, and looted from their brewery. And so we made their brew for them for quite a long time until 
they could um, they could get up and running again. And so it's so nice for us to be able to help others in our own industry too um, to 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 create um, a really powerful partnership with um, other craft brewers that uh, that we have a common goal. Um, to achieve. Now, sure, we don't talk to the Anheuser-Busch and the Millers of the world. We don't believe that, <laughs> that they're they're in our court, you know, that yeah. they, I don't know what they think. I don't, I, we don't call it beer, but yeah. <laughs> well, it's business. It's business and it's beer. And, and it sounds like you have, have a firm handle of how the business thing works with, uh, by you, by you, your words, putting them in a corner, which I'm sure meant, well, we're not going to keep brewing here if you don't do this. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. <laughs> But one of the um, one of the one of the other things that you you mentioned is we've talked to a lot of beer people and and in the past it seems like we have uh, mm-hmm. one or two every season and their ability and their desire to help other breweries uh, in times of need or in times of of just for the sake of of doing it and it it's right. it's the type of business where that happens a lot and it's probably because of those Anheuser Busch and Molson and Labatt's it's kind of like. All the other people in the world trying to help each other out just because. True. Why not? Against a common behemoth. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you have yeah, some of the fastest success, too, in terms of growth of a brewery. A lot of the stories that we hear are maybe a husband-wife couple, and it might take them 10 years to finally increase production and, and double or triple production. So we have a couple of theories. One, um, we are very um, tough negotiators, but we also believe in um, rejigging things. So, for example, in efficiencies, you know, that's the engineer in both my brother and I talking. And so we produce 800 cans a minute, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at all of our breweries. And it is because of that that we can keep costs down and we can compete, keep people working and compete in the marketplace. And we do that with um, not only fast machines, but we also have created machines. Um, so we have bought old robots, for example, from Chrysler plants around the country that have gone uh, belly up, and we have um, rejigged them in order to fill our cases so that uh, people don't have to do it by hand because it was getting very hard and it was slower and it was causing a lot of injuries, um, you know, and tendonitis and doing the same thing uh, repetitively. And so um, we really do believe in technology and AI and and um, using it to, um, to, to better not only the company, but also the product in the end of the day. So I do believe that there's so much room um, always for improvement, and it's just a matter of kind of opening yourself up to it. Um, Because, yeah, you know, none of these machines and none of these um, uh, different types of manufacturing plants are cheap. And so in order to pay for it um, as soon as you can, um, it, it, it does take some creativity. Manji, moving forward, we always ask about a struggle, and you guys have had success. You're innovators in the business. You, you know, basically for the past 10 years have been growing, but can you think back to a personal or even a professional obstacle that you had to overcome? Oh, we've had to overcome lots. We've had, you know, for every beer brand that comes out that's successful, there's 10 that have failed along the way. We've just been lucky that the successes have defined us and not the failures. But, you know, um, from day one, uh, I was a young brown woman in the male-dominated conglomerate beer industry trying to make my mark. Like, it was uh, an uphill climb both ways. It was so impossible to name brand. 
You're supposed to say hot tan girl. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Hot tan girl sounds a lot. (laughs) But you're right. I know what you mean. I like Bill's description, but I don't think your website. (laughs) A young brown girl. You know, they're they're, they're never mind um, that I was in my early 20s. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I was a minority. I am a minority. And so there there was a lot of things that were going against us. And so we have dealt with. So many things um, in the last decade and a half um, that has been really trying, not only personally, but within um, our business. And I think the most um, heartbreaking, the most toughest for me personally was when I tried to get into Ontario about uh, 11 years ago uh, when we were seeing success in the rest of the country. And we really got um, lobbied effectively out of there um, by our competitors. They got the government and and um, and the beer stores and the LCBO to really throw us in for a loop. Um, we spent a lot of money, a lot of time. Um, we were almost were three days out from being on shelves, and they decided to do a full, um, complete investigation on my brother and I for having mafia ties. Oh Just out goodness. of the blue, mm-hmm. nothing, nothing to do with anything. We had spent about half of... Half of the assets, not only um, in our bank account, but um, that we owned everywhere to get into Ontario, such a big province, such a hard province to break. So it was uh, it was pretty devastating, and they were successful. We did not get our product released. Um, all of it had to be destroyed, and all of that marketing and time was wasted. It was a full year of my life, and so it was very, very trying time. Um, however... Um, upon reflection, it did really make me stronger. It was one of those things that I'm going to show you and I'm going to show you um, how it's done. I don't give up that easily. And so, you know, we regrouped and um, found lots of successes elsewhere, but it was something that I still really um, was committed to doing, selling beer in Ontario. And so we came back with some new tactics and um, some new plans and were tougher and um, it worked out um, second time around. And boxer uh, beers and many of our spirits are doing very well in Ontario. But um, it is um, for sure um, a very sore spot. Um, and, you know, I really do believe that that as a company and as a person and as team members, um, failure and hardships do make you stronger um, and you, as long as you can learn from them. And um, it, it doesn't mean that it's easy. Um, but, yeah, you know, there have been so many tough roads that we have had. Um, and I, I am um, really grateful that you guys asked that because I do believe that too many entrepreneurs talk about their successes and not all the craziness that goes on to find the success. I tell everybody, you know, my overnight success has been 17 long, hard years. And so um, it's day in and day out. It, it, no, you know, my success was not handed to me. It was not handed to me on a silver platter. Um, neither was my businesses. It, and so it's, um, and for most entrepreneurs, that is the case. And and so I really do believe that um, it, it, it's, it's great for everybody to actually tell their real story, not just what they've been successful and uh, at, but everything that came along the way and how the journey really is. Um, you know, and I, I think social media is interesting for that too in this day and age and that you only see the fun things. You only see the parties that I go to I and know. you only see the, the fun things that I'm doing. You don't see me sitting behind a desk for the other 11 hours out of the day. You only see the three hours that I'm at the event. So um sure that's part of my life, but it's absolutely not all my life and that's I, I and um and uh and so um i think sometimes i could that can be a little um 
a little deceiving for um, up-and-coming entrepreneurs. Rich and I both enjoy beers once in a while. Yeah. We may or may not be having one. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we also know that the, the, the political uh, arena that is our state and, and, and other things, and I guess what I'm trying to say is, did you find your first failure with the Ontario province? Did you find that the beer drinkers in Ontario were coming to battle for you from from that point of view because they wanted your product? Is that did that well, help you? Well, interesting enough, all? we weren't. They didn't even know what was going on because we didn't didn't tell the media. We had to blame it on ourselves because okay. I knew someday I would have to go back and deal with those same people in government and at um, the retail level. So if I, you know, I'd melt them too much. I had some foresight. Yeah, <laughs> well, you mentioned social media sometimes. Oh, no, they did not know what the world did not know what went on. Gotcha. But really, by then it was uh, it was not here nor there. Well, you know, you mentioned how you only see the parties sometimes. And I, I, I couldn't agree more. I was watching an interview with a actor and she was saying how, you know, that was, she made a joke. Oh, that's off brand. And I think she was at Obama's, you know, like last party at the white house. And she was dancing until three in the morning, but you know, her brand is mother actor and, you know, spokesperson for some makeup company. So I appreciate the real side of things. And, you know, on your website, I mentioned it earlier, the first, you know, tag you have is, is mother. So moving into that phase in your life, can you talk a little bit maybe about the adjustments? I don't want to call them struggles, but the adjustments or transitions into being, you know, a successful business owner and a mother. Right. Yeah. So I have two young girls, four and seven. Um, and absolutely, you know, I didn't realize until I had one, never mind two, how much of a village it takes to raise a family mm-hmm. um, and that work-life bo- balance is total bullshit <laughs> <laughs> because because it's just not possible. I can't duplicate myself. And so, you know, I very early on um, discovered I need help and I'm not I'm shy to ask for it. And so I'm blessed to have a great family, my, help, my parents, my in-laws, sister-in-laws, and then paid help. So it's a combination of it all. And so... Um, and I don't feel guilty about having it all. And so um, as far as the help goes, because I can't do it all. I, I, I don't cook. And if I did, it would be toast. And so but that's okay. I have others to, and to do it. And it's okay for my kids to know that too. And so um, I really did have to resign early on to the fact that, listen, I can't be everywhere. And I can't be, feel guilty for not being everywhere. But wherever I am, I have to be 110% present. Mm-hmm. And so whether I'm at my kids' school plays or recitals or just playing in the park, I am there. I'm not on the phone. I am not mentally somewhere else. And if I'm in the office, I'm in the meeting, I am working, I am not thinking about well, the play or the gymnastics or the birthday party that I missed. And so, um, you know, they're aware of where I am. Um, I take them when I can for them to know that I don't just disappear into oblivion. Um, and so it's, it's, it is a team effort and I have an amazing husband who understands that too. Um, and so, yeah, it's not easy by any means. Um, but, um, I think that as long as, um, you've resigned to the fact that you can't do it all and you shouldn't have to, um, it's okay to ask for help. Mm -hmm. It, uh, it works out. And so, 
you know, um, absolutely my kids are my first priority. Um, but me being happy makes them happy and makes me a better mom. And I realize that too. And what makes me happy is, um, is working and the challenges that I face, um, in the office every day. So it's, um, it is, it is twofold for sure. Yeah. And, and when they're drinking age, they'll appreciate it all anyway. <laughs> <laughs> when they're finally old enough. Yeah. Well, you are resoundingly. You are you are speaking some of the same advice we've been hearing this entire season, Bill. Oh, yeah. like, I think I personally struggle with being that mindful person when I'm doing those other things. I like how you said if you're watching the kids play, you're watching the kids play. You're not on the phone. If you're at work, you're 100 percent at work because right. it seems like the most successful people are doing that. So it's it's not lip service. It's real advice. And if it's something I have to work on or others do too, it's, it's time to start working on it. I was trying to multitask earlier and put my headphones down as I was picking a beer up and I dropped the mic. <laughs> stop, stop multitasking, Bill. You gotta, you gotta stay focused. He did. He did not. That's, a, that's actually a true story. <laughs> uh, uh, well, where do you see yourself in, let's say five years from now? Like what? Oh my goodness, anything? that's the toughest question ever. That is the toughest <laughs> question because you know what? I, I for sure I have goals for my personal self and for our companies, but I find that I can never predict or even dream of predicting um, what is going to go on. If you would ask me five years ago, I wouldn't say that I'd be you know on your TV screen every Wednesday night. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, your life moves the, fast. The truth. The truth, where, where the way it is, and 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 getting people riled up, and because uh, I am the tough dragon for sure, and so um, and so you know, I think that it, it, it's it's a matter of just taking every day by day, and I don't know what's what's in my future or um, or never mind tomorrow, but in five years. So I know that's not much of an answer, but um, no, like I said, a, we're the okay. ninth large. We're the ninth largest brewery. There is nine more spots to go. There you uh, go. Eight more spots to go. Sorry. Yeah. So you know, I hope the next time I talk to you, we're at least one up. We went. We it took us uh, uh, three, four years to go from ten to nine. So I'm I'm hoping the next eight are a little, in, you know, a little faster of a climb. But hey, yeah. All right, I have a beer question for you then. How sure. come Americans on this side of the border? want to drink the bats, mm-hmm. and Canadians on that side of the border want to drink Coors Light. Huh. <laughs> you know what? I, I, this is like hockey. I think this is hockey uh, fans. It's yeah. just one of those things that um, you want what you don't got, right? <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> you know, you know it, it came from far, um, whether it be um, a couple hundred kilometers or, or miles away or not. So, um, you know, it, 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 it's also... That's how brands are built, and so um, why does somebody want to hold a one beer over another in their hand? Trust me, a lot of the times it's not because they can taste the difference or there is a, um, a, a superior quality difference. It's about brand building, and that's um, exactly what um, uh, you know. Um, a lot of beer companies are, are trying to do every day is build a brand, um, and so. Um, it, it, it it's a, that's a tough one. There's, there's no rhyme and reason. It's it's funny here. We're such in we're in such a big hockey market and so close to Toronto that we we, right. s- we see all the Canadians come over and and times I've gone over there and it's it's uh it's ironic how how that works out. But 
Well, you know, moving moving ahead and kind of winding this thing down, we like to ask from for some advice. If there was anyone just starting out with their first business, I'm sure you get this question all the time. They're not ready to pitch on Dragon's Den. They're just maybe forming that business plan. Is there any advice you'd give to somebody just starting out? Yes, absolutely. It would be find your passion and make sure you love what you do because success does not come overnight. It is a hard, long road. And in order to do something 10, 16 hours a day, you better love it. Um, and, and so I really do believe in don't, don't get in, getting into something just because you believe that there's money to be made. You, you, you should really have a passion for it. And that's how you will grow and your company will grow. And eventually, I promise you find success. Um, but I think too many people just want to be rich and that doesn't mean, um, it doesn't mean anything. Um, and so um, success is defined as a lot of different ways, um, being happy, um, providing for others. Um, and sure, having some money in the bank um, is not bad either, but it shouldn't be the, the only and the prime reason why you become an entrepreneur. Yeah, great, great advice. Yeah, the people we have been speaking to and yourself included this season have said, resoundingly you have to find that passion and but also be be happy with the successes you're having if you are one day retired and you are a grandma or grandpa you got to be happy with that just as much as you are running that running that company you know 20 years ago agreed absolutely awesome well you know maybe if we could close this thing out you could remind our listeners where they can find you online and check out your social media Absolutely. Um, they can uh, check me out on Twitter at Manjeet Minhas, one word, or Instagram Manjeet.Minhas, or um, our website, MinhasBrewery.com, or my own personal website, ManjeetMinhas.com. And we have a lot of uh, Canadian listeners, which is kind of nice, probably being close to the border. Uh, is there any right. way, though, our American viewers could see the show? Is it on YouTube? How do we see it? I mean, uh, yeah, they can find it on YouTube. Okay. Uh, technically, unfortunately, it is geo-blocked by CBC. So if yeah. you went to cbc.ca, it, it is geo-blocked for Americans, unfortunately. They do that but, for uh, Hockey Night I know in there's a lot too. of versions of it on YouTube. Well, there you okay, go. Okay, good. So season, there you go. Yeah, and I'm on, se- I'm on seasons 10 and 11. Um, we just finished filming season 12, so that'll be out this fall. Awesome. You want to drop a little uh, hint to how season 12 went? <laughs> Uh, not without getting in trouble. No, <laughs> well, we don't want you to get in trouble. We don't want you to get in trouble. All right. right. Well, this has been incredible. Thanks, Sounds good. Thank thanks you. so much for Take sharing care. your Have a great stories. day, guys. You too. You too. You too. Bye-bye. Manjeet Minhas, Bill. No, she's pretty incredible. Yeah. You know, she has had some successes and failures, obstacles to overcome earlier in life, and she has done it, and it just seems like you know, she's on this path right now where I, I got a feeling we're going to hear a lot more from her pretty soon. Yeah. If I was on TV, they wouldn't be asking for advice or to buy anything. They'd be asking me, why'd you do it? <laughs> Thanks to our website provider, Banzoogle, B-A-N-D-Zoogle. Banzoogle has everything you need to build your website, including the templates. So you just go and browse through the templates, pick the one that's best for you. And the best part, go to our website, guystellingstories.com, click on Try at Home, your new website's first 60 days are free. Yeah, and thanks again to our friends at Tile. Tile's the world's best-selling Bluetooth tracker that attaches to anything you don't want to lose, so you can find it fast. Remember, you get 35% off your Tile purchase by going to guystellingstories.com and clicking on Try at Home. That's guystellingstories.com and click on Try at Home to get 35% off your Tile purchase. Is it bad that I looked into that during the interview? 
No. You said, feeling- it, you said it earlier, and I was like, wait a minute. I lose stuff all the time. You know, I went to play hockey a couple of months ago with mm-hmm. one skate. One skate. One skate. Yeah. You'll be the only guy with two tiles attached yeah. to each Yeah, I invited to a nice, nice Sabres alumni skate, and I showed up there and started getting dressed, and I had one skate. Ah. Uh, so uh, I know where I'm putting my first one. Well, you know, some of these products are uh, ones that we think we should share with you and we love using, and this is one of them. So, uh, you know, check it out. I, I, I will in like two minutes. <laughs> Can we go now? Uh, well, guys, you know what? We had a fantastic guest today. Thanks so much for tuning in. As always, this has been a great season. Show some love to Manjeet and check out her website and her social media as well. And we can't wait to uh, talk to you guys again soon. American listeners, look her up on YouTube. It's a great oh, show. Awesome show. Oh, yeah. Great clips. All right. As always, I'm Rich Douglas. I'm Bill Easton. Until next time.